True Talk is pre-recorded today. Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. Today on today's program, uh, Samar and I will be speaking about the latest out of Jerusalem at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, where there's been a series of events there and attacks on worshippers during the holy month of Ramadan, and it's escalating um, things in that area in the region. Um, and we'll have a special guest that's speaking to us live from there. That and more uh, on True Talk. This is True Talk on WMNF. We'll be right back after this short music break. Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. Um, Samar picked the music. Uh, it is Fayrouz, an older song from 1972. 
She's Lebanese Ahmed. Uh, she's in her uh, mid to late 80s, an icon of uh, not only Lebanon, but uh, the Arab world. And um, she's a, I love her. I grew up listening to her songs. And this one in particular is about uh, Jerusalem. Uh, she talks about uh, Jesus when he was a baby and about the uh, church and about Jerusalem and whatever. And of course, the Muslim part, the Christian part. She's a Christian herself, uh, but she is also very much She's in love about... with the uh, uh, Palestinians and the Palestinians. She's also Fairus, talking about like baby Jesus and his mother Mary. Yeah. Mm. She was saying the baby is in the cave. Okay. So why, why did you pick this Mary. song? Is it because of Easter or what's happening? It's Easter. It is Easter as well as what is happening uh, in Jerusalem. And also because you know that uh, this is Easter and there was Good Friday, a lot of uh, Christians, not only uh, in Palestine and occupied Palestine, but there are also, for instance, I just read Ahmed, 5,000 uh, Coptic uh, Egyptians that came to uh, Jerusalem uh, these past days and... Um, a lot of Christians come from all over the world. And I was just reading that there are also restrictions on how many people can be in the churches and how many people can visit and how many people can walk in. So there right. isn't uh, that so-called uh, democracy and freedom when it comes uh, to non-Jews uh, worshipping in Jerusalem in particular. Well, speaking of that, Al Jazeera is reporting that the church criticizes Israel's heavy-handed restrictions End quote on Easter. Palestinian Christians say their 2,000 year old community in the Holy Land has come under increasing attack. The Greek Orthodox Church on Wednesday slammed what it uh, called Israel's heavy handed restrictions on freedom of worship as it prepares to celebrate Easter in occupied uh, Jerusalem. Israeli police said the limits are needed to, for safety during Saturday's. Holy Fire celebration at the ancient church of the Holy, uh, the 12th century holy site where Jesus is believed by Christians to have been crucified, buried, and resurrected. Israeli authorities claim the measures are related to the recent violence in the Old City, touched off by Israeli police raids on Jerusalem's most sensitive holy site, the compound that is home to Al Aqsa Mosque. And its attacks on Muslim worshippers by many Christian leaders who say there's no need to alter a ceremony that has been held for centuries. Believe this part of it, it's part of an ongoing Israeli policy to push them out of their homeland. Um, and uh, we'll, you know, bring on our guest once he's joined us, but there's been a series of incidents, especially, you know, since last week um, in the, the um, Al-Aqsa Mosque, which, you know, for us Muslims, the Al-Aqsa compound or Al-Aqsa Mosque is the third holiest site, third most sacred site in Islam after Mecca, the mosque in Mecca, um, and uh, the one in Medina, which are both in common day Saudi Arabia. When Islam came there, Saudi Arabia did not exist. Saudi Arabia is less than 100 years old. But before that, it was just 
an Arabian Peninsula that has a city, a city called Mecca and a city uh, called Medina. And Mecca is where the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was born. Uh, but before that, the city of Mecca is holy, not because that Muhammad was born there, but actually it is um, believed by Muslims to be the first house of worship that was ever built on earth by Adam uh, was started there. And then after the floods of Noah, uh, Abraham had uh, rebuilt the uh, holy mosque there and it had existed in Mecca since that time. And uh, Muhammad, who as Muslims, we believe that, um, and, and Muhammad's message was that his religion is a continuation of the religion of Abraham and Moses and even Jesus, that Islam is a continuation of those monotheistic religions. And it's uh, definitely a continuation of the rituals established by Abraham. It is one of the three monotheistic faiths. So uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem is central to all three monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. It's sad that under Israeli, the Israeli government, there's so much tension and fighting that's happening um, around uh, Jerusalem. That wasn't always the case. A lot of times people will try to say, oh, they've been fighting for centuries. That has not been the case, has not been true. So um, our guest is, yes, uh, is joining uh, us, and I just want to get your comment about what I just said one, as he joins. Uh, yes, Ahmed, for people who lived in Palestine, like my mom and my father, uh, they, they had uh, friends. I remember my mom always telling us, uh, she, you know, my mom was young, of course, but uh, when they have uh, Christian celebrations, Jewish uh, celebrations, uh, or Muslim celebrations, all the neighbors would gather. And what was interesting is that all the women would wear scarves you know, the, the Christian uh, neighbor, the Muslim neighbor, the Jewish neighbor, all the women, when they go out, they all dress the same. You can differentiate between them. So there was so much which came and demanded Palestine and started all the um, illegal immigration. But let me uh, introduce our... Um, Guest today is Dr. Abdullah Ma'roof. He is from Jerusalem. Uh, he is currently an assistant professor at 29 Mice University in Istanbul. I hope my Turkish is <laughs> not too bad. Uh, he has a PhD in Islamic Jerusalem studies from the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. He got that PhD in 2008. Uh, he has many uh, publications, uh, whether books or articles in Arabic, English, and Turkish. But at the moment, uh, Dr. Uh, Ma'roof is talking to us from outside Jerusalem. This is a story that maybe he can share with us. Uh, but uh, good morning, Dr. Ma'roof. I know it is very late where you are now. Good morning. No problem at all. No problem at all. Okay. It's good to have you, uh, doctor. Uh, and I was uh, just, uh, Ahmed and I, we were talking very briefly about Al-Aqsa, that there are events that took place. But before we do that, um, I want you to talk uh, about uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque. People hear about it. Uh, they think it's just a regular mosque, just like other mosques. Maybe it is old, like the ones uh, in Mecca and Medina. But... Uh, 
what is historically what do we know about the Al-Aqsa Mosque? Uh, well, actually, when, when we speak about Al-Aqsa Mosque from an Islamic point of view, if I could say, uh, it goes way beyond the time of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu It goes, uh, according to the Islamic understanding, all the way to the time of uh, Prophet Adam, the first human being on, on earth. So we can see that it takes uh, Masjid Al-Aqsa for a very, very early point in, in uh, uh, or early time in history of humankind. Um, the Prophet Muhammad mentioned actually uh, answered the question by uh, one of the one of his companions uh, named Abu, Abu Dar, who asked him about the first mosque ever to be built on earth. And he mentioned that it was uh, 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 the Kaaba in, in Mecca. And he asked after that, uh, which mosque was built? The Prophet Muhammad answered uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque. Uh, he asked how long was between them the Prophet said 40 years. So uh, according to the Muslim scholars' understanding, based on um, uh, accounts from some of the companions of the Prophet Muhammad, such as Ibn Abbas, uh, the Prophet Muhammad's cousin, actually, he mentioned that the Kaaba was first built on earth, according to uh, Islamic understanding, since the time of Adam. And that means that Adam himself uh, or one of his uh, uh, sons, for example, or his uh, uh, maybe yeah, one of his sons maybe has built uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque. So it goes all the way back to the to the early uh, time of humankind on on Earth. Um, when we speak about Al-Aqsa Mosque from an Islamic point of view, we're not actually mention, uh, speaking about a building. Uh, a lot of people misunderstand the issue of Al-Aqsa and say, uh, think that it is a building with a uh, with a black dome or uh, the the other building with with the golden dome. Uh, but both of these understandings are actually uh, wrong. Al-Aqsa Mosque is a compound, if I could say. It's an enclave that contains around 200 monuments, actually. Um, the biggest ones are, are the Qibli Mosque, which has got uh, the the black leaded dome and the 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 dome of the rock which is actually located in the heart of Al-Aqsa Mosque and it is considered as the symbol of Al-Aqsa Mosque the same as the uh, the green dome uh, with regarding to the mosque of the prophet Muhammad and sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, the Kaaba with regarding to the uh, to the uh, noble sanctuary in uh, in Mecca so we can see how al-aqsa mosque is quite a big mosque and in islam mosques are not uh, supposed to be on the buildings it can be a big compound with even trees and courtyards and uh, it can be upground underground and all of that can be seen in Al-Aqsa Mosque. So in, in Al-Aqsa, we can find at least 600 uh, olive trees in addition to many other trees. So wherever you pray uh, under the tree, these trees, underground, in any one of these uh, prayer halls, or even in the courtyards of Al-Aqsa Mosque, it is actually the Al-Aqsa. So we need to have this uh, understanding of the concept of the mosque in, in Al-Aqsa uh, uh, right in the minds of, of the listeners before before we understand actually what was happening and what is happening in Al-Aqsa Mosque. You're just joining so us. This is Oh, Summer. Oh, go ahead, Ahmed. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk. You're hearing Dr. Abdullah Marouf. He's a professor 
assistant professor at the 29 May University in Istanbul. I guess that's on the um, Asian side. I remember seeing it there when I visited. Um, and we're speaking about Al-Aqsa, the holy sanctuary for Muslims, Islam's third holiest site. And the conflict that's happening there uh, currently, has there always been conflict um, around Al-Aqsa? Oftentimes when you hear about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or the occupation of Palestine by Israel, people you know, in America and the West you say, oh, those guys have been fighting for years or for centuries. Has that always been the case that they're fighting over um, these holy sites? Actually, that's a very good question, uh, Ahmed. Actually, it's not. It's, it was not the case all the time. It was. It hasn't been the case as as people might think. Actually, the conflicts around the Laksa Mosque happened. I can say about three or four times uh, throughout history. Um, Al-Aqsa Mosque, according to, um, again, I'm speaking here from a, uh, an Islamic point of view. This is why I mentioned that it was built through, through the, uh, during the time of Adam. That means mm -hmm. that it was way, it was existing way before the existence of the city of Jerusalem. And it's the same as the, the Kaaba uh, existed way before the existence of the city of Mecca as well. So... Since the time of the establishment of Jerusalem during the time of the Jebusites, the Arab Jebusites, according to our narration at least, uh, they were actually monotheistic at that time and they, they believed in one God. And this is why they built their city between the mosque and the spring, the, first, the only water spring in, in Jerusalem, which is a Silwan uh, water spring that is far away from Al-Aqsa. It's not far away from Al-Aqsa, it's about 500 meters. So usually when, when ancient cities used to be built, they used to be built around uh, the water springs. But when, when it mm. came to Jerusalem, they built it on the side of the water spring. Why? Because they wanted actually to be close to, to the mosque itself. So between the mosque and the water spring, they built this, the city of Jerusalem. Since that time, for 15 centuries, 15 to 20 centuries, there has been no problems, no conflicts at all in, in Jerusalem. So, so the conflict started actually in, um, in, the third, uh, in the second or, yeah, the second millennium before uh, Jesus Christ. So since that time, or the, since that time, um, Jerusalem has been occupied uh, a few times uh, during the time of the uh, the Babylonians. Uh, they took over the city. Uh, the Israelites before that, they took over the city for, for quite some time. And by the way, from an Islamic point of view, the time of the Israelites, the first Israelites, under the leadership of Prophet, uh, uh, Prophet David or Dawood, uh, according to Muslims, that was actually a legitimate uh, uh, role because it was during a time of a prophet. Now, Muslims believe that that David and Solomon were prophets, but uh, it's it's different than than uh, than the Bible that does not mention them as as prophets, but as only kings. But the Muslims believe that they were prophets, and they had uh, they, they consider themselves as believers in these two prophets as well. And since that time, the, uh, Jerusalem was occupied um, four times. Uh, it was occupied uh, by the by the um, uh, by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. It was occupied by the Persians, uh, the Greeks, and then the Romans. 
And that was all before the time of, of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him. Since, the since that time, uh, when Jerusalem was under the Byzantines, uh, Jerusalem, Al-Aqsa Mosque was destroyed at that time. It was destroyed uh, after the revolution of Bar, uh, Bar Kokhba in uh, 135 uh, AD. And during that time, the, uh, the uh, Roman Emperor Hadrian destroyed all of Jerusalem, destroyed the city and rebuilt the city again. And he made Al-Aqsa Mosque be outside the city for the first time in history. And it was nothing. It was ruined for about 500 years. So when Umar ibn Khattab came in 637 uh, AD, he did not find a mosque inside the city. The mosque was actually outside the city. It was ruined. It was no man's land. It was outside the whole city of Jerusalem. So he did not actually claim it from anybody. He did not take it from anybody. And since that time, the Muslims actually established their uh, their sovereignty of the mosque. And it remained again. It came back to the peaceful times for about 400 years before the Crusaders actually disturbed uh, the peace of the whole land with, with the great clash between the East and the West, according to uh, Carl Armstrong in, in her book, uh, One City, uh, Three Face. And uh, for about 100 years, Jerusalem faced uh, many conflicts during the Crusades until the time when Saladin entered Jerusalem with a very interesting uh, model uh, throughout history. It was exactly the same as Omar al-Khattab did. He did enter the city without peacefully, without shedding a, 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 a blood. And he, the peace remained again uh, in the city of Jerusalem for another 800 years until the time when, when Britain actually entered uh, the city of Jerusalem in 1917. Since that time, the conflict came back and the problem started again. So we can see that Jerusalem actually lived uh, for quite a long time of peace, uh, peaceful coexistence when the vision of Jerusalem was was uh, established and, and uh, implemented. And the vision of Jerusalem should have been always, according to at least uh, ours, our understanding, uh, is that the city should be uh, an in inclusive for everybody. And the rights for uh, worship in that uh, region should be given to everybody as long as uh, no one um, take uh, the rights of other religions as well, who are already well established in, this, in, in, in the whole sites. Thank you, Dr. Uh, uh, Abdullah, for this such brief history of Al-Aqsa from the beginning of civilization. Um, in As far as, you know, um, a couple of things, uh, when and for how long did the Israelites, and I guess when you refer to the Israelites, these are the tribes that came out of, um, from Jacob and, you know, uh, who was also known as Israel. Uh, how long or how many times did they actually have rule over Jerusalem? I guess the Israelites. And well, when, yeah. when, another question is when Muhammad, when uh, the, um, the Muslims came, in and uh, took over Jerusalem and to administer it. Uh, who did they take it over from? Hmm. 
Interesting question, actually. As I mentioned before, according to the Islamic understanding, the Israelites were considered at that time, according to the Quran, by the way, during the time of Jacob, during the time of, of Joseph, and during the time of David as well, David, uh, King David, uh, according to the Bible, uh, and Solomon as well, the Israelites were considered at that time, according to the Quran, as Muslims. They are mentioned in the Quran as being Muslims. And by this word, uh, the Quran refers actually to monotheism uh, in particular, because the, the, the Quran mentions that all the prophets have got the same uh, religion. Since the time of of uh, of uh, the beginning of the Israelites, actually, they ruled the city of Jerusalem since the time of uh, David for about four for about a hundred eighty years at least eighty years uh, that consists the time of of David and Solomon. Then the Israelites remained in the city after the death of, of Solomon. They remained in the city, ruling the city of Jerusalem for about uh, um, 200 years until the Persians actually took over. Oh, sorry, the, the Babylonians took over the city uh, of Jerusalem. So we are speaking in, uh, they came back again. They ruled the city, but on, uh, in the name of the Persians. And after that, in the name of the Greeks, not as an independent uh, state. So, okay, I'm, I have another, just a, one brief other question because I want to turn it over back to Summer. So, you know, when when the modern day Jewish community refers to, you know, Solomon's temple, which is basically in the same place as, or they say that it's um, under the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Um, so, you know, if if Solomon and David and those leaders that are recognized in the Quran as legitimate prophets from God following the same religion that Muhammad, you know, came later on to also follow, yes. which is Islam. So would it be from the Muslim perspective that Solomon's temple was really part of the Aqsa Mosque compound? It's for the same well, religion? Not, not in this way, not in this way. Let, let me let me just this elaborate on this issue because it's a very important issue. Yeah, what, what is the difference now, between Solomon's temple and Al-Aqsa? Yes. How do they yeah. coexist in the same area and or do they actually coexist in the same area? Yes, actually, it's a, that's a very important issue and it needs some elaboration. Now, when I was when I was speaking here about the time, the the, uh, the time when the Israelites ruled over Jerusalem, actually about four, 200 and or 400 years in total, uh, I'm, I was not speaking about just ruling it as uh, as a different nation than the nations who lived in Jerusalem. During that time, all the nations who lived in the city were actually monotheists at, the, at that time, not as the the the, the Israelite uh, or the Israeli narration today may mention. And here, when when it comes to the temple issue, it's a very important and crucial question because it say some people think that the problem between them the, or the issue uh, between the Muslims and the uh, and the, uh, the, the 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 biblical sources actually with regarding to the temple is that the Muslims believe that there that the temple was existing in somewhere else, and that's wrong actually. Now the true issue here is that whether it was Solomon. Or Adam was the first one to build a, a place of worship in this area. Now, Israeli scholars today, they claim that Solomon was the first one ever to build a place for worship in that area, which is called the Holy Temple or Beit HaMikdash in, in Hebrew. So 
But according to the Muslim uh, understanding and the Muslim narration, it was not Solomon the first one, actually. It was way existing, way before uh, Solomon, since the time of Adam. And we have, by the way, we have archaeological understanding, we have archaeological evidences today that were uh, uh, that support this narration. For example, uh, in 2005, a professor from uh, Najah University in in, uh, in uh, Nablus, in Palestine, named uh, Haytham Arratrut, uh, he published a, a paper in Arabic in 2005 in Britain, and then he republished it again in Britain uh, in English in 2008. And in this paper, he proved that uh, the ratio of Al-Aqsa Mosque as a, as a total is exactly the same as the ratios of the Kaaba. And that means, which which is quite a, a very odd shape, by the way, that the Kaaba and Al-Aqsa Mosque are very odd in their shape. So having them in the same shape means, and with the same ratios, means that the Kaaba and Al-Aqsa existed at the same time or very close to each other. And we know that the Kaaba existed way before Solomon. So the issue is that is not whether Solomon built a temple or not, or built a mosque or not. It's actually whether he was the first one ever to build something for worship, some place of worship in this area or not. And we know now that it was not the Solomon the first one to do that. It was existing all the time since the time of Adam. Now Solomon came and rebuilt the place or renovated, right. if I could say. And that is something where, where exactly... Uh, Totally, totally not the case here. So it's not as as the Israeli narration today uh, try to uh, how how the Israeli narration today is try to elaborate or try to convince us is that uh, Solomon was the first one to uh, to uh, uh, consider this area a holy site. It was way before that and was already built. So it's not the case of whether there is a temple or not, or whether there was a temple or not. It's actually who. Well, who had the right in saying that this this place is a holy site and was built before? According to the Muslims, it's since it was already existing since the time of Adam. In addition to that, the Muslims believe in Solomon himself as a prophet. Now right. they believe in Solomon as a prophet, as a Muslim prophet, and this is mm -hmm. what the most the Prophet Muhammad mentioned in, in his hadith, and he mentioned that Solomon renovated. Al-Aqsa Mosque, and he made a supplication to God that anybody comes to this area, to this mosque, and the, the Prophet Muhammad mentions the word mosque in this hadith, and he says that whether anybody who comes to this mosque only to pray that their uh, that their sins will so, be forgiven for forever. That's, that's, that's why I'm... Case. And that's why I'm asking whether the mosque is also, you know, they, they see it one way, we see it a different way, but it really could be the same place. And not much yeah, different but, but than not, how. Yeah, I see, but it's not. It's not actually all. Not all the Israelis, by the way, or all the biblical scholars, see that uh, the temple as being the same place of Al-Aqsa Mosque. By the way, some oh, okay. of the temple scholars, yeah, some of the the, the scholars, biblical scholars, believe that Al-Aqsa, uh, that the temple of Solomon, according to the biblical understanding, it was not actually in in the site of of Al-Aqsa, but rather it was in in Silwan. And some others mm. believe that it was all the way in Nablus as well. So, uh, and we have. I mean, for for us. Second, yeah. So from the Muslim perspective, from the Muslim perspective, it could be that because for the longest time before, even when Muhammad came, um, uh, and and the commandment for prayer started, 
the prayer, the direction for prayer was not towards the Kaaba in Mecca, but That's towards right. Al-Aqsa Mosque, which That's was right. also the direction for prayer for Solomon and David and all the previous prophets, because from our perspective, like you mentioned, that it's all the same religion. I mean, you know, That's right. we, we, That's view, right. we view all these as the same chain of prophets coming with the same message from the time of Adam all the way uh, to Muhammad. Um, just a final question, just to, before I turn it to Samar, um, what, when Jews were living under Muslim, I guess, administration of these holy sites, how were they praying? Where were they praying? Were they free to worship? And where did this zeal that, you know, about, you know, destroying Al-Aqsa Mosque by some of the extremists in Israel now, um, and, you know, wanting to rebuild Solomon's temple, when did that type of idea evolve and when did it come about? This is, this is as well an, an interesting question. We need to know here, and I need to stress again uh, on this on the point that I mentioned before that when Umar ibn Khattab, the second Muslim caliph, entered Jerusalem, there was no mosque inside the city, there was no buildings. It was a ruined area. There was just very just very small traces of the corner sides of Al-Aqsa Mosque. That was all. And the, the, the rock was on the on, on the top of that area. And that was it. So he did not actually take the mosque from any other religion or any other people. It was ruled, it was uh, Jerusalem at that time was ruled by the uh, by the Byzantines. Uh, the people of the city were Arabs and they were Christians as well. So he did not need actually a translator to speak to the people of Jerusalem because they were Arabs at the same time and they were speaking the same language with the same culture. Now, Omar al-Khattab did not take this the, 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 the mosque from anybody and that is something very, very important. However, when it comes to the Jews who and how they worshipped during that time, Muslims allowed the Jews to reside in Jerusalem as usual. And this is mentioned in the Geniza Cairo uh, fragments as well. And they allowed them to uh, to worship wherever they wanted in, in Jerusalem as long as it does not, it does not actually contradict the other religions who have or religious uh, or places of worships as well for other religions. And here the Muslims and the Jews did not have any problem with regarding to Al-Aqsa Mosque, simply because even if the Jews believe that Al-Aqsa Mosque was the, the, the site of the temple, and the Jews believed and they still, the majority of Jews in the, in the world today, the, the at least I'm speaking here about the religious uh, part, about the rabbis from the religious part. And one of them is the chief rabbi of the state of Israel, by the way. They believed that Jews are not allowed, were not allowed to enter that area due to its sacredness until the, come, the second come of the Messiah. So the, the Jews did not even want to come to Al-Aqsa Mosque or enter Al-Aqsa Mosque to pray inside it because it is forbidden simply according to the rabbis because it is actually not the right time according to their prophecies with, uh, that, that are related to the, uh, the, the, the first, sorry, not the second coming, the first second is, uh, coming of the Messiah according to their, to, to, to their understanding. And this is why they used to pray outside the mosque all around the, 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 or Jerusalem. They had their own synagogue in Jerusalem and this synagogue was already built during the time of the first Muslim rule in Jerusalem. And this synagogue, by the way, was burned uh, during the time, uh, during the first crusade when they entered the city and they burned everybody within it actually they were burned alive 
by Tancred and Jodefri during the First Crusade. In addition to that, the, 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 the Muslims allowed the Jews to, to uh, pray wherever they wanted around the premises, actually, where the Muslim sites were there. And the Jews used to pray outside the mosque and, and sometimes on the uh, Mount of Olives, sometimes on the eastern side of the mosque, and sometimes during the Ottoman time they asked the permission to move to the western side of of uh of the alaqsa compound outside the compound which is called today the western wall or the wailing wall which is according to the muslim understanding is called the al burak wall and it is actually registered until today as a waqf as a muslim waqf and it is a muslim property according to the uh, league of nations uh, uh, report in 1930 so the Muslims allowed the Jews to to uh, pray wherever they wanted and not inside the mosque because they did not want to go inside Al-Aqsa Mosque. Now, when this idea of entering the mosque and uh, breaking the breaking into the mosque and storming the mosque started, it happened after the occupation of 1967 only. That was only a 50 years idea, 50 years old idea, and not even at the beginning of that. It is actually started started with uh, with Gershon Salman and some extremists as well who went out of the uh, and left and did not accept the ruling of the chief rabbinate of Israel, which does not allow the Jews to enter Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, area. And they wanted actually to to break into Al-Aqsa and storm Al-Aqsa in order to build the second, the third temple, according to their understanding, because they believed that they that unlike uh, what the chief rabbinate uh, and and the uh, Sephardic uh, Jewish understanding, the rabbinite uh, Jewish understanding state, they believed that they need to build the temple. So that the, the 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 Messiah comes, not the first vice versa. Whereas other groups like the chief rabbinate of Israel, like uh, such as, for example, Naturi Carta and other religious uh, communities, uh, Jewish commu- uh, religious communities, uh, believe that that uh, the 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 third temple comes with the Messiah. So when it comes at the end of time, it comes and all the people be, watches it and and they uh, realize the glory of God. As this is this is one of the rabbis. This is what one of the rabbis told me. Actually, he said that when the when the Messiah comes, we believe that you see the glory of God and you realize that uh, that the whole thing was related to the to the Messiah. So this is actually the truth. So what we are watching today, when what we are what we are witnessing today of these uh, fanatic groups, the the fanatic right groups who uh, storm Al-Aqsa every day and who try to make problems inside Al-Aqsa every day, calling for uh, rituals to be done inside the, the mosque and to, to demolish the mosque and build uh, the temple. Actually, they are going um, they are going out and leave. The, they do not accept uh, the, uh, the ruling of the chief rabbinate even of the state of Israel, not only uh, that, but they 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 go against uh, the opinion of many of the rabbis around the world throughout history, and they try to just change the whole uh, ruling of of uh, of these rabbis uh, for their political understanding and for their political uh, uh, needs, and that's that's the whole thing. It's a political issue; it's not a religious issue. 
If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. Ahmed and I are talking to Abdullah uh, Marouf, who is uh, from Jerusalem, but currently is a professor uh, at the Mace University in Istanbul. He has a PhD in Islamic Jerusalem studies, so he is an authority on everything that is related uh, to Jerusalem. I want to move uh, forward uh, uh, Professor Maruf, because we are uh, uh, soon, we're going to be running uh, out of time. When, because I know that you lived in Jerusalem most of your life. When did this zealousy and this uh, fanatic groups started to really um, uh, att- att- attempt to attack the Aqsa, or uh, started to? Because when I went to Jerusalem, I saw uh, groups of um, very religious-looking uh, uh, Israelis with uh, the guards protecting them, uh, walking uh, on the haram. So when did this start to become really so obvious uh, and so protected by the Israeli government itself? Well, uh, actually, it, uh, at the beginning, when, when in the 60s and at the 70s mainly, uh, when Gershon Salman started his uh, uh, his movement um, uh, of of some extreme fanatics who uh, started uh, calling for building the third temple inside the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, actually these groups were considered at that time by even by the Israeli authorities and the Israeli government and the Israeli uh, people as well, they were considered as isolated uh, groups at that time. But their uh, but by the end of the 90s, if I could say, uh, their presence started to become stronger. Uh, and they changed the whole uh, strategy. They changed their whole strategy. And one of their key uh, figures in this uh, case were uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir, who is serving today as the Minister of National Security uh, in Israel. And uh, in addition to the rabbi, Ehudah Glik, who is serving now as uh, the spiritual leader of these groups, actually, of these uh, fanatic uh, groups. Now, starting from the end of the 90s, we could see that these groups started to shift their understanding and shift their uh, strategy uh, in from just attacking the the mosque directly and gaining the, the the uh, the refusal amongst the, the Israeli uh, community in general uh, into going inside the political uh, movements and inside the political uh, parties in Israel. And they started actually to go uh, uh, to, to study law, to become part of the, of the governments, to become part of the Knesset, until the 2000s, when we saw them for the first time about 10 years ago, we found them actually going all the way to become a power in Israel. So since that time, these fanatic groups started actually to change their, uh, their strategy and enter the mosque very viciously. And they changed the the scope of the uh, of the way how the police, the Israeli police and the Israeli government used to deal with them. As at the beginning they were isolated, now they were becoming a uh, a power uh, that could 
uh, form a government, could uh, assist in forming governments, and they could destroy a government as well. They started actually with one member, then two members, then three members that were cl close to them, not part of them, until in uh, about five years ago, uh, they started to go inside the Klixit with larger numbers, but under the uh, the political parties that we know today, such as the Likud, for example, which is uh, the uh, the party of Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, for example, uh, Ihudak Lik became a member of the Knesset uh, under the Likud party uh, sometimes in, in history. So uh, that means that they started to gain a political power in Israel. And that means that they become that they became a, a, a political lobby as well in, in this uh, in the state of Israel. And that gave them um, confidence to start trying to change the scope of of uh, oh sorry the way how the police the Israeli police used to look at them and used to deal with them and this happened during the time of of Gilad Ardan uh, who is serving today as the uh, the uh, the ambassador of Israel in the United Nations when he was uh, the uh, minister of uh, national security uh, he actually changed the the way how the police used to deal with these uh, groups because they consider he considered them as the, as his uh, um, uh, as his uh, fuel uh, to to gain power and to to get to the Knesset as well and get to the government uh, of Israel and this made the the police as well change their way how how they used to deal with this with these uh, groups now they are now in the top of their uh, power, if I could say. Itamar ben who was considered in uh, as just a, a fanatic person who is so extremist to the extent that he used to praise uh, the killer or the terrorist killer of, of uh, the, the Palestinians in the mosque of Hebron, Barak Goldstein. And in the video that everybody in the world maybe have seen it a few, a few weeks ago, uh, which was recorded in 1994, Itamar Bingvir is now the minister of, of national security. And he controls the police. He controls the police. He controls uh, every single power uh, in, in Israel, not only in Jerusalem. And he and let uh, those people, actually those uh, fanatic groups, members of these fanatic groups, to come and serve into the police. And this actually explains why we've seen um, these vicious uh, pictures yeah. of, of attacking, yeah, of attacking the Muslims in, the, in the last the, yeah. the brutality is amazing, and uh, I think uh, one uh, because from the, the because they, yeah, because the police, the pol these police members, some of them are actually members who were attacking the pal the Palestinians in the mosque. Who are actually some of them are actually members of these fanatic groups, believe it or not. So that's why they used they act in the way how they how they feel. Not actually according to the, the 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 orders that we're giving to them. So that is the problem here. We are not dealing now with isolated groups. We are dealing with groups who became lobby 
became a big lobby in Israel, and now they are forming the government of Benjamin Netanyahu. When Benjamin Netanyahu actually uh, was about to, to retreat from his uh, from his uh, uh, idea of, of changing the the law of of uh, uh, judges actually in in Israel, Itamar Ben Gvir. It simply told him that I can destroy your government. I can destroy the whole government. So we are speaking now about a power that was gained by these by these fanatic groups, and that is the danger that we are facing in Jerusalem today. That's the danger, and the dangerous part here is that their religious leader, Ehudaglik, uh, and some other of these religious leaders as well, they clearly say that they believe that the only and the best way to gain uh, a, a global peace and let the messiah comes is to drag the world to the uh, to the uh, to the uh, uh, side, to uh, to in, um, sorry uh, to drag the whole world into becoming almost actually uh, starting a world war so that is how these fanatics, yeah, that is how they believe in. They believe that they, by going to a war, actually, by taking the world to the side of a big war, they're actually bringing peace. And this is how they believe, and this is what they are trying to apply. And I that wanna... is actually the problem that we are facing today. It's this really fanatical problem. Uh, Dr. Maruf, who is responsible for Al-Aqsa Mosque? Isn't Jordan or the Hashemite Kingdom uh, is uh, in a way uh, responsible for administering order or uh, taking uh, uh, to charge of the waqf, what we call uh, waqf? Aren't they responsible? Yes. And I think you just published a very interesting article. You say that it was maybe one of the first times that Israel is trying to involve the rest of the Arab governments in this conflict. Can you elaborate on that? Actually, since the time of forty of the year 90, 1948, uh, um, uh, when Israel uh, when Israel was established and the war er erupted in Palestine after the end of the uh, of the British mandate, uh, Jordan controlled the eastern side of the city of Jerusalem, including the old city and Al-Aqsa Mosque and all the holy sites in Jerusalem. So, according to that. Jerusalem became part of the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, which was formed in 1950. And uh, since that time, Jordan became uh, the uh, the sovereign over over Al-Aqsa Mosque and the administrator of Al-Aqsa Mosque. Now, in 1967, when Israel attacked uh, Jordan and they attacked Jerusalem and took over Al-Aqsa Mosque, occupied it, the world did not recognize the occupation and the world did not until today they have not uh, and they will not ex uh, accept this or recognize this occupation so according to the international law here comes the the the, uh, the law of the state the status quo so status quo means that everything must remain as it was before the occupation. So before the occupation, Jordan was administrating Al-Aqsa Mosque and it was under the Jordanian sovereignty. And this remained the case until today. This is why the Jordanian Waqf and the Jordanian 
administration is actually administering Al-Aqsa Mosque to, uh, until, until our time. Israel is now trying to change the status quo of Al-Aqsa Mosque, and they're trying to change the whole thing by taking Jordan out and letting it out of Al-Aqsa Mosque. And here there is something very, very interesting to note. When Israel and Jordan um, signed the, the peace treaty of Wadi Araba in 1994, uh, the, there is the section number nine that in, in the treaty speaks about uh, the, uh, the situation of the holy sites, because it's a very crucial issue for Jordan. Now, Israel said, uh, Israel wrote in, in this uh, uh, treaty that they respect the special role of Jordan in Jerusalem and its sovereignty over the holy shrines. They did not use the word sites. They used the word shrines. And I don't know how did the Jordanians actually not take, how did they just... And oh, whatever. Uh, so it, it was actually, it was very interesting. Why? Because it means that Israel does not recognize Al-Aqsa Mosque as a holy site, but that they just wanted Jordan to control the shrines. And here we're speaking about the Qibli Mosque and the Dome of the Rock, which consists, both of them consist only five or six percent of the whole Al-Aqsa compound. And that gave Israel the right to start actually arguing and saying that they want the control over the 96% of Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is we not have, a mosque, according we to We have them. one minute, uh, Dr. Maruf, uh, one minute. So uh, they are trying to now involve Jordan, uh, how? Uh, with, the la- with the article that you mentioned. I saw on Twitter uh, a letter from the, uh, the foreign ministry, I think, of Israel, asking Jordan to intervene with the worshippers, the ones who are doing that is, yes. Yes, actually, in that's, one that's minute, please. Okay, that's that's the case. Actually, they wanted they they would they want Jordan to uh, become they want to re-establish the Jordanian role in Jerusalem into actually uh, applying what Israel is trying to do in Al-Aqsa Mosque and by administering not Al-Aqsa but only the Muslim presence inside Al-Aqsa, the Muslim. Uh, people inside Al-Aqsa, whereas Al-Aqsa Mosque should be considered as a, a, sh- a shared holy site. And that goes way beyond the, uh, the status quo, and that goes way beyond the, all the treaties and even the, the, the uh, Kerry Accords in, nine, in 2015, which confirmed that, uh, that the Muslims are the only ones who have the right to pray in Al-Aqsa Mosque. That is something that Israel is trying now to change, and they're trying to drag Jordan towards that. Jordan, fortunately, did understand what, how, what was happening a few days ago, and they refused to be a part of, mm-hmm. of the Israeli game. But it's not enough. It's, we need to understand that the Israelis are actually attacking the mosque, and they're trying to change the status quo of Al-Aqsa Mosque, and by all their means. Why? Because simply, now the Israeli government is not an Israeli government. It's actually a, a, a far-right government and that is the way how the world need to understand and how the world need to treat this government because the the government is being now ruled by people by fanatic groups who are trying to, to take the world to the edge of a, a religious war which is the most dangerous thing that could happen in Jerusalem I want to thank you very much, uh, Dr. Abdullah Maruf, for being uh, on True Talk. Uh, thank you. I know it's late where you are. I really appreciate it. And Ramadan Mubarak uh, to you. Thank you very much. And Ramadan Mubarak for all of you. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. Ahmed, I think we are uh, running out of time. Uh, yes, let me close out the show. Thank you uh, for summer. And uh, Dr. Abdullah Marouf, NPR is next. This is True Talk on WMNF. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you at the same time, same place. And Ramadan Karim. Stay tuned for NPR, which starts now. WMNF Tampa. Le <laughs>